There we go. I was too busy fixing my table to turn on my mic. Good morning, Joy Church. Man, I'm so glad that you're here this morning. Oh, man. So if you guys saw that video, uh, man, I'm so excited. We've actually been talking about I love my church. And this is actually one of the things that I love about our church is that, uh, man, we are here to serve this community. Uh, and, and we're here to like reach out with the gospel in spiritual ways and tangible ways. Uh, and, and man, uh, if you guys saw that, we, every year, I'm just going to give a little bit of promo for this real fast. We got this coming up soon. Every year we go out to Shasta Middle School, same place every time, which means we're engaging with the same staff members every time, same principal every time, same, not the same students because they're moving on their way through. But we get to go and, and we just like beautify their campus. Uh, we uh, build stuff for them, tear out stuff they don't want anymore, bring in new mulch get rid of weeds, trim their trees, do all sorts of stuff just to make it look really awesome in a tangible way to say, hey man, you know, God loves this community uh, and, and he wants to see even just like the little pieces of your life uh, be more beautiful. So if you want to come out to that, man, we've got it coming up in a few, uh, in a few weeks. Shasta, City Serve, look out for it. They'll tell you more about it later. But it's such a good time. And here's the thing about Joy Church uh, is that literally everything, if you saw that video, we were having fun. Uh, there's actually a longer version of that that just shows how much fun we have. But man, everything we do, it's like whistle while you work. We have fun while we're out there working. It's not that hard of work. You can pretty much not work if you wanted to the whole time and just chat. But um, come on out, have fun. It's going to be so good. All right. Uh, but man, I just figured I, I love my church and that's one of the main reasons is how we are in the community. And so uh, we are actually talking about I love my church right now. Uh, and, uh, but first, I, I don't know if you guys noticed this, uh, but like last week I was not here. I, uh, I took a group of, uh, like middle school and high school students, uh, up to youth camp. My guy Devin came, what's up? It was so much fun. Yeah, let's hear from Devin. That's great. Um, no, <laughs> but, uh, but it, it was so much fun and, uh, it's really interesting when we take that group up there, it's, it's like middle school, high school students, we're taking like four days and we're sitting in the side and we're saying, man, we expect God to do amazing things in our life. And man, let me just tell you, you can do that yourself too. Uh, I guarantee you, this is a personal guarantee. If you set aside four days and say, I'm going to encounter God in these four days, God's going to meet you. Uh, but uh, unrelated while we're there, uh, it's like a bunch of churches that get together while we're there. And, uh, while we're there, it's just before a service, I see some kids sitting off to the side, uh, sitting on a couple of rocks. Uh, you know, all the other kids are like over, like getting all hyped up and doing push-up contests and things like that, uh, eating spam and things, um, you know, normal stuff. Um, but there's two kids that are kind of sitting off to the side. They didn't look like sad or anything. I just walk, walked over, start chatting with them. I'm like, hey guys, what's up? Uh, what's your names? And they tell me their names. And uh, one of the kids' names is Noah. And... Like the classic like youth camp, small talk, there's a bunch of churches. So it's like the first thing you ask somebody, it's like, it's like around here, it'd be like, you're talking with an adult, it's like, hey, what do you do? You know, it's like, hey, what church did you come with? Uh, and, and so I was like, hey, what church did you guys come with? The first kid like tells me right off the top of his head. And I was like, oh, awesome. And the other kid's like, church. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, cool. Like, well, like, what city did you like come here from? And he's like, oh, e- either Silverton or Newburgh. I was like, those are pretty far apart, man. Uh, and he's like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, uh, well, where do you live? 
And he says, I live in New Bergen, Salem. My, my, parents are, my, uh, my, dad, my parents are split up. I'm like, okay, okay. I was like, but at this point, it was like no longer about a conversation with this kid. Like, if you know anything about me, if there's a mystery, I have to solve it. Uh, if there's something unfinished, I, like have, to, I have to know the full story. Uh, my, my wife has learned this, that if she brings up, a, like, and, and actually a lot of my friends, they know that if you come up to me and you say a story and you're like, yeah, this, and you start it, and you're like, oh, but never, never mind. Like, you could literally be telling me about a rock that you picked up in the parking lot. Like, that could be the full extent of the story, uh, and I, but I have to know. Like, you could be like, yeah, I was in the parking lot, and then like, oh, this, is, this is stupid. I don't even need to. I, I'm like, I have to know. Tell me about it. You're hiding the secrets of the universe from me, and I need to know what you know. Uh, but so at this point, it's like a challenge for me. I'm like, I have to know. And, uh, and this kid, he's, uh, he tells me that he, his parents live in, in two different cities, uh, Newburgh and Salem. And I was like, okay, which city were you in when you came? And he's like, I, I, I don't know. I was like, you don't know? I was like, okay, which parent brought you to camp? Which parent came with you? And he says, I don't know. I'm like, got to be kidding. At this point, I'm like, I'm like, okay, I know all the youth pastors here. And I'm like, okay, your youth pastor, what did he look like? Did he look like, was he like kind of a, a young guy? Looks like he probably uh, like, like fights for fun and wears tank tops all the time. He's like, that, is that the one? Uh, and, and, I'm like, and he's like, I don't know. Like, you don't know if he wears tank tops or not? Like, like, do you recognize his shoulders or not? And, and he's like, I don't know. At this point, I think he was just afraid of me. But, but I never did get an answer. Eventually, I was just like, all right, uh, I really sincerely hope that you get home from this camp and that you make it, and that you don't board the wrong bus. Uh, but, like, I, I don't know if this kid made it home. I, like, part of me, like, the mystery solver, like, is thinking about, like, calling all the youth pastors that were at the and be like, do you know Noah? Do you have a Noah? Do you, are you looking for the, where to return Noah to? Like, do you, ha, do you mistakenly have Noah right now? Uh, but uh, I, I have to solve it. But like, it got me thinking when I was talking to Noah, it got me thinking about this kid's life. And I really, I started to feel for this kid because like, I don't know very much about him. I know his name's Noah. I know that he lives in... Uh, Newburgh and Salem. I know that his parents are separated. And I know that probably he has a church in Silverton somehow. And Newburgh, because he thinks he came from one of those places. Uh, I don't know much about him. But I know like these few things. Like, and, and I started out to think about the life that he lives. He's not just changing homes. He's changing cities. I don't know how often. Is it every week? Is it every few days? I don't know. Uh, I know that he's like changing, like, and if you're changing cities, like you're changing lives. Like he's, he's got like two separate lives that he lives in. And I know that if you're changing cities regularly, it's got to be hard to build friendships. It's got to be hard to have mentorships. It's got to be hard in school. It's got to be hard. Like, like this kid's got a life that is nowhere near anything that I have experienced as normal. And two thoughts came to my mind out of this. And... One thought is, what a beautiful picture of the church that 
whichever one, whatever church it happened to be, that he's, he's becoming connected into a family. That this boy who has, uh, who has a, a split life, he probably, I, again, I'm, I'm making a lot of assumptions about this kid, but that he probably has a hard time building friendships. He probably has a hard time, probably doesn't have very many people like speaking into his life and trying to build him up. But what a beautiful picture of the church that he's, at, to some degree, getting into a family. At least to the degree that somebody connected him to this camp. At least to the degree, I mean, it's not a cheap camp. It's, it's, uh, it's not easy to get to. And to, to at least some degree that, that somebody, whether either helped him come up with the money, helped him get connected, uh, whatever it was, or they already were connected with him enough that he really wanted to be there uh, in order to make the money. But like, this kid is now being connected into a family. And I, I thought, man, what a beautiful picture of the church is this kid is getting connected into a family when he's got a broken one. But then I, I thought about this other thing too, is that how many other kids out there are experiencing this kid's life? And it's not in like a broken way. It's like, oh, society is so broken. Like, like that's not really what I'm talking about here. Uh, I, I, if you don't know me, I'm, I'm the youth pastor here, which means that I run a ministry for uh, sixth grade through 12th grade. And I meet a lot of kids that I can't like empathize with. And it's not just like, oh, I, I'm like, we don't relate because like you like fart jokes and like, uh, and like, running around naked. I don't know what they like. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I don't, not just empath, not empathizing because I don't know what you like. Uh, it's like, I can't empathize with you because like you've lived more life than me and you're 14 years old. Like you have a little bit more experience. You've been around the block. Or, or, like, or like I can't empathize with you because I look at your life and think that like you'll never experience normal. But you look at me and you think this guy has no idea what a normal person goes through. And, and, and I, I see this, and this kid, he's in a place that I can't empathize with. I can't connect to him. Uh, and, but I, I thought, I, and I started getting a little bit sad, and I was like, man, who's going to reach out to this kid? And then I started to think about this kid, and he's connected to a church. He's at, he's at youth camp where he's taking four days and, and, and in an environment where God can radically change his life and encounter him. And I, and I started getting excited because I started thinking, this kid is in a place that I can't empathize with, but how many kids are in that same place? How many kids is this kid in a place that he can empathize with? He can connect to them. He can bring the gospel to kids who would look at my life and think that I'm anything but normal, that I'm something that they can't relate to. And, and, and I saw like, man, these two things. What a beautiful picture of the church that's connecting this kid into a family, but also, man, what a beautiful picture of a church that, that, there's, that there's people out here that can empathize with others that, that, that you wouldn't be able to empathize with yourself. And these are the two reasons that I love my church. We're talking about this. I love my church right now. And these two reasons is, one, we are not just a group that is gathered, but we are a group that gathers. In other words, we're not just a club that people come to. We are, we are a group of people that go out and find other people and get them connected into this, uh, this, this house of life. We're not just a group that gathers. We're a group, or a group that is gathered. We are a group that does gather. And then the other reason that I love my church is that we're a group of different people, different backgrounds, different education, skin color, politics, aspirations, hobbies, sense of humor, opinions, all coming together under this one idea that we are to love God, love people, and make disciples. If you didn't know, that's actually the mission statement of Joy Church. It says, Joy Church is here to love God 
And when we say Joy Church, we're not talking about this building. We're not talking about like the pastoral staff. We're not talking about the people that are like making decisions. We're talking about you. You are Joy Church. And when you, when you decide that you want to be a part of this, you're saying, I'm, I'm picking up my, my, uh, my oar on this mission and I'm going to row along. And you're saying, I, as Joy Church, am here to love God, love people, and make disciples. And it's so beautiful that we have so many different people here and, and, and different backgrounds and all this because somewhere in here is somebody who can empathize with this kid. Somebody in here is, is somebody whose, whose story, whose life, whose history is, is, is vastly different than mine, and we're going to have a really hard time having a, a conversation because we don't relate. But there's people out there that are going to hear your voice. So Joy, Troop, Joy Church is a community, a group of people that builds community with inside, within the walls and outside the walls, and that is why I love my church. And it's actually the way that Jesus intended the church to be uh, when he was like first g- gathering some of his followers into his, uh, into his 12 disciples. There was an expectation and an agreement that they would be gathering people and building community. There was like this expectation about it. And I want to talk about that here in a second. I'm going to show you that in the Bible. But before we get into the Bible, I just want to give you uh, a chance here. And I want to encourage you to lean in. All right, like right now is the time. Get on the edge of your seat. You lean in and pay attention to what's about to happen because we're about to open the Bible. And, and we believe here at Joy Church, and I believe personally, that the Bible is the word of God. And not just like, oh, this is kind of what God thinks. No, but it's like the living word of God. That, it, that it, just as it spoke to people thousands of years ago, that it wants to speak directly into your life today. That God can speak to you through this Bible. And and as as we open the Bible, God has something. The creator of the universe has something to speak to you. So whether I like bumble through my notes or whether I speak with eloquence, it doesn't matter. If you will come right now with expectation that as we open the word of God, he wants to speak directly into your heart. God is going to speak to you today. So as we open the Bible, just lean in and get ready for this. In Matthew 4.19... Uh, Jesus is calling some of his first disciples, some of the people that are going to uh, follow him around and, and, and preach with him and, uh, and reach people with him and go share the gospel around the world. And Jesus calls him in this way. He says to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Uh, and just a little bit of context for this. They are fishermen. So this is a, a Jesus connecting this to who they are. He's relating it to them and, and telling them, and we're going to talk more about that fishers of men comment because that's really a little bit strange, but we'll, we'll dive into what that means. But it says here, he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And I, I want to pay close attention here because this is the promise of Christianity. This is the promise of Christianity and it's what sets Christianity apart from all other world religions. And it's this statement right here in the middle. It says, I will make you. I will make you. And it sets itself apart from other world religions because it doesn't say you should make yourself or follow, or follow the guides to, uh, to, uh, to elevate yourself. It doesn't say uh, follow the rules and then. It's, a, it, it, it's, it's, saying that you, it's not saying you can be elevated to. It's saying I will make you. It's, it's like... This, this phrase is like to produce, to construct, to form, to fashion. It's an active word. It's like, I will make you. Jesus is saying, I will 
make you fishers of men. And, and, and there's this really cool thing. Like we, we actually have this over here on our wall a little bit. It's, you were made on purpose and for a purpose. So like uh, our, our view is not just that you were made on purpose and that you were set on this cosmological path to, uh, to, f- to fulfill it. It's that you were made on purpose, meaning that God from the very beginning had an intention for you, a design. He, he created you with your sense of humor and your, your ideas and, and, and the way that you are on purpose to reach a certain amount of people and a certain group of people. But that you weren't just made on purpose, that as a follower of God, you're being made for a purpose and that you will be made for a purpose. You've been made, you're being made, and you will be made. And this is the promise of Christianity that Jesus will make you fishers of men. You're being made. And as you follow Jesus, he's shaping you and he's molding you and he will change you. You know, God, God wants to do a lot of things. He wants to change your heart for the people around you. Uh, you know, like for a long time, I was the kind of person that like reveled in the failures of others. And, and maybe that sounds terrible, but like, maybe that's totally unrelatable, but uh, hopefully there's some people out here that can relate to this. Like when other people messed up, when they failed, when they weren't as good as me, it just made me feel good. Like, like I'm being honest, like, like that's who I was. Like, like if they weren't as good as me, then that elevates me a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was the kind of person that reveled in the failures of others. And as I, as I built my relationship with God, God has changed me and he is changing me. And I, and I believe in faith that God is cha- will change me in the future to have a greater heart for the people around me. And, and now I look at my life and I see myself, uh, I, I'm the kind of person that, that, that like cries when I see the people that I'm close with ha- having success. You know what I mean? I'm not the person that like when I hear about the stories of incredible things that people are doing in Joy Church, it like makes me emotional and excited. And I'm the kind of person that likes to, that they, like sees somebody else doing good and, and it makes me feel good. And that's not the heart that I had. That, that, that like as I'm following Jesus, Jesus is making me into something new. And, and God is not just changing us. He's not just changing me. He wants to change us and make us for a certain end, a certain goal, a certain purpose. That, that, that we're not just being changed so that we have a, a nicer, more moral view of the world, but that we're being changed for a purpose. And, and this is, like, this is the, the, the rest of this statement that Jesus makes in this super simple, short call to follow him. He says, follow me and I will make you. I'll change you. I'll mold you. I'll shape you. I'll, I'll grow you. Fishers of men. Now these men, they, they were fishers, as we, as we know. He actually came up to them as they were like cleaning their nets on the, on the, side, of the, on the side of the sea. And this statement was not just like, it sounds really weird. But to them, they would have understood what fishing was to them. It wasn't even just like casting a line. It wasn't baiting a trap. It was casting a net and drawing it in casting a net and drawing it in. So, so Jesus is saying, you're familiar with this idea of gathering things, but you're going to gather men now. You're going to gather people. And, and so they could see in their minds this picture of, I throw out a net and I gather them closer to me. I throw out a net and I gather them closer to me. Jesus is saying, I'm going to make you, like you, you fished, but I'm going to make you. I'm going to change you to people that will gather people around you, draw them in 
and help them follow me as you follow me. This is what most Christians would know as evangelism. And it's this, it's this kind of this gray area in our, in our mission statement between love people and make disciples. It's like as you love people more, uh, you, you, you begin to uh, reach out to them, you begin to share the gospel, and, uh, and you begin to help them follow Jesus more. And, and there's like somewhere in here, there's this gray area. We don't really know where it happens, where there's like this moment that they become a follower of Jesus. And so there's this gray area between just loving people and making disciples that somewhere as you're doing these things, there's evangelism happening and people are coming to know God. But here's the deal. What most people see when they see evangelism, what most people see in, in, our, in our culture is recruitment. Like the, the church has done a, a really good job and, and Christians have gotten our world used to Christians that would try to recruit them. Uh, get them uh, like, and here's what recruitment looks like. It, lo- it looks like getting people to church, uh, which is, uh, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying. These are all good things, right? But, but the culture's view of what, of what Christian evangelism is looks more like recruitment, and it's that people would try to invite them to church every time they see them, uh, get them to pray a magic prayer, admit that they, are, uh, that they are terrible people and never do anything fun again, all right? Like this is the, this is the cultural view of what Christian recruitment looks like. And it's a huge bummer that the world is not used to having real friends as Christians. Like real friends that are Christians. And, and, and this is like, this, this is the counter to the Christian recruitment idea. And, and it's that, that people get this idea that they've got like people that they know that are Christians and that are not real friends. Or they've got people that are real friends that are Christians, that like kind of do church stuff every once in a while. But that our world is not used to real friends that are Christians. And, and you, know, you know what I mean by like real friends? I mean, I mean friends that like hang out, people that invite them over for dinner, people that are, are truly and authentically followers of Jesus. They like spend time and, and build relationship, but also like really live their life all out for the call of God on their life. Like authentically true followers of Jesus building a real relationship with people who are not. Not one where a Christian hides their faith, not one where a Christian tries to recruit them, but real friendship. And, and this is the kind of friendship that as we, as, we begin, as we begin to have a relationship with somebody and, and we're really living our life for Christ, it starts conversations like, hey man, you're like really, you're like really committed to this church thing. Like, like man, I, like I applaud you for that, but like that's, it's, you're really committed to this. And like you go every Sunday and like, man, I couldn't do that. And, and you're like, well, like, like it's not really like that for me. You know, it's, it's not really like that. For, it's, like, it's like where I want to be. It's like as I... As God has changed me and, and molded me and shaped who I am, I have to be there. I, I have to like, be in a place where I'm, I'm with other people that are on the same mission. I have to be in a place where I'm encouraged and, and sent out to practice my faith. I have to be in a place where, uh, where I encounter the presence of God and he, can, and he can impact me and charge me and fuel me for the purpose that he has for me in my life. And they say, oh, it's not just like what you do. Like, no, it's, it's, it's who I am. 
I'm talking about the real kind of friendships that like, if you're like a real friend and really following Jesus, like it would be weird if you weren't talking about your faith. You know what I mean? Like, like if you're really a follower of Jesus and you're like, man, my whole life, I'm giving my whole life to this thing and, and you're a friend with someone for three years, a real friend, that like spends time together and they're like, like if, if you never ever talked about that, that'd be weird. You know, if I've had a friend for, for three years and I find out like something is the biggest part of their life and I've never even heard about it, like that's weird. So the kind of friend, I'm talking about the kind of friendships that it would be inauthentic not to share the gospel. The kind of friendships that it would, it, would seem, it would seem strange to have this hidden. I'm talking about real friendships. I'm not saying that you need to have a friendship with somebody for three years before you share the gospel, but I'm just talking about having like a real relationship with people as you follow God. It, it, it's, it's real relations, real relationships that talk about real stuff where the fact that they know you makes it make sense that you would share your faith. Like, that's what we're talking about. And, and, and so I, I want to talk about, like, a little bit practically how you would build these relationships and how, how you would share the gospel with the people around you. This, this thing that we call evangelism uh, happens somewhere in this gray area between just loving people and, and making disciples. Like, there's this, there's, there's this thing called evangelism, and I want to talk about it. The first thing you need to do is you need to, like, you need to find your niche. You need to find your niche. Uh, what am I saying? Like the Bible says, love your neighbor. And, and that is absolutely true. You need to love your neighbor. When, and when tested on this, you just pretty much put it out there that like whoever you can love, love them. But here's the deal. First and foremost, you need to disciple your friends. Like, yes, love your neighbor, but disciple your friends. God may open the door for you to minister to all sorts of people. And that's incredible. That's awesome. But what I'm saying to you, and don't hear what I'm not saying, but hear what I'm saying is find out who you are, find the people that speak your language, and build real, that was a weird word, real relationships with them. <laughs> build real relationships with them. All right? So find your niche. Find the people that you can like really talk to and have a relationship with. Uh, because here's the deal. Uh, you're not going to have this kind of real friendship that I'm talking about with somebody that you don't like. Like, it's just not going to happen. You know what I mean? Like, uh, like, there's people out there that I just can't, like, we don't have anything. It's like, we can talk, we can, like, shoot the breeze, but, like, I'm not going to have these, like, real friendships, and I can share the gospel with these people, but I'm not going to have these real friendships with people that I don't like. So find out, like, who am I? Who am I, and who do I relate to? Uh, in fact, Paul, there's a, there's a story in the Bible where Paul... Uh, who was a guy who could actually relate to a lot of people because he was like born and raised and grew up as this like really devout Jew and uh, he, he like knew all the rules, did it all right and then had a, he was actually even persecuting the Christians, killing people who were Christians uh, just for the fact that they were uh, Christians and sharing the gospel and then Jesus encounters Paul and he has this life-changing thing and he gets sent out to actually go and he has this burning passion to share the gospel, the, the good news of Jesus with uh, people that were outside of the traditional like Jewish communities. And they called them Gentiles. It was pretty much like the rest of the world. And he became a Roman citizen. And, uh, and so he had a lot of ability to relate to different people. And so he's coming into Jerusalem 
uh, from being out speaking. And, uh, and he's being seen as this person that's like, the Jews, I think they were kind of confused about who he was. They knew that he had been like sharing the gospel and they, they see him doing this thing, but they, uh, they don't recognize him as being Paul, the guy who, had, uh, well, really Saul, because he changed his name. Uh, they didn't recognize him as being this guy who used to be them. They kind of saw him as this, uh, this guy who was coming in to change their way of life. He's coming in to tell them that, that, that they need to change some things up, and he's preaching this gospel that's like, that's like counter to their culture and the way that they do things, and so they're mad. And he's in front of them, and they are chanting, and, 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 and they want to flog him for sharing the gospel. They want to punish him for sharing the good news of Jesus. And uh, it says that Paul, he, he gestures to the crowd like he's going to talk. And so they, they kind of want to hear him speak, and so they're gonna, they want to hear what he has to say. So it says it quiets down. And then it says this here. It says, Acts 22, it's, this is Paul begins to speak, and he says, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And it says, and when they heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, their own language, they, be, they became even more quiet. There was this, there was this, like, there was this thing where, where, where they, they had kind of thought of him as an other. And, and when they realized, oh, he's speaking our language, it says they, the crowd silenced. And I, I think it's really important because we can recognize this that like they had like all these preconceived notions. They had all these reasons why they hated him. And, and it, spoiler, this didn't quite go as well for him as you would think. But uh, at this moment, he speaks their language and they begin to listen. It, he quiets the crowd because he speaks their language. And, and I, I know everybody here speaks English, but here's the thing. We, we live in a very diverse culture. Uh, we live in, a, there's a lot of different types of people, a lot of people that do different things, enjoy different things, look different ways, talk different ways, all sorts of things, even in this crowd. And your voice matters. Your voice, it matters. And, and here's the reason, is that because your voice, your history, your uh, upbringing, your, uh, your way of viewing things, it can silence the voice of, of those who would oppose Christianity. Right? Your, 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 your voice, it can silence the preconceptions that people have about Christ. And, and so where, where is like the circle in which your history, like where are your people? Where, is the, where are the people in which your history, your fashion, your way of talking, your sense of humor, like the, the things that make you you, where are the people that that voice will silence their preconceived notions of what it means to follow Jesus? Where are the people that, 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 that maybe think that, that God would never be for them? Christianity is not for me. And then they hear you start to talk. And they're like, oh, maybe it is for people like me. Maybe it is for people like me. Like, where will your disposition turn a screaming crowd into silent ears? And here's what I've discovered about who I am. As I understand more who who I am and who I'm created to be, and, and that is as, as, a, as a son of God, as, as, as a child of God, that's like who I am at a, at a deeper level. And the more that I connect with who I am at, a, at the deepest, corest level, the more that I actually get to discover the unique parts about me. The more that, that like the, the unique parts about me and, and who I am, the more I discover an understanding of who I am individually as I understand who I am in God and right now we actually have a, a cultural identity crisis 
Whereas we, as we further divorce our identity from our creator, as we further divorce who we are from who we're meant to be, as, as, we, as we stretch these things out, we become less and less comfortable with who we are. As we, as we separate like, who we see ourselves as from who we are created to be, we become uncomfortable with our identity. And when we become uncomfortable with our identity, we're more and more likely to find a crowd to hide behind rather than to gather a crowd to lead. As you, as you begin to find out who you are in God and, and really discover who you are, you'll become comfortable with who you are, comfortable with your identity and say, oh, you know what, maybe I've got a quirky sense of humor, maybe, uh, maybe I, I say some weird stuff sometimes, maybe uh, I, whatever, this, that, I, I don't know, but that's who I am. There's other people out there like it. I'll find them. I'll find them. I, I've recently started, this has been something that I've been trying to work on in my life. And uh, I recently started going and, and, and playing basketball more because, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a sports guy, not really watching sports, but I love playing sports, you know. I uh, love playing sports, really competitive, love like the environment around it too, like, you know, like the trash talk and the, and the ribbon people and telling them they suck and all this stuff. Like, and, and so like this, this is like, I'm discovering like this is who I am. And, and like maybe there's some things that I say that maybe I shouldn't say, but, uh, but overall like, these are my people. And I've discovered like, hey, there's this massive group of people in the area that have all sorts of different backgrounds, and, but they, they have this thing in common it's that they like to play basketball. And, and there's like a, a Facebook group and then people talk about, hey, we're going to play here, we're going to play there, and we can go and we can get together and uh, go down to, uh, to like the Washington Jefferson Bridge and, and, and we play basketball and there's people that I have like super awesome, like tons of relationship, like compatibility with and some that like our only thing is basketball. But like some of them, our only thing is basketball and we're building relationship. You know, like they might be like, I've never done a drug in my life. They might be smoking weed on the, on the sidelines right between plays and like, I'm honestly pretty impressed like because they're still better than me. But, uh, <laughs> um, but like, we're, I, I'm like building relationships and it's not just like this fake relationship. It's this relationship where we start to talk about each other's actual lives. And we start to uh, know who each other are, and uh, and they and they, they they begin to ask me things like 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 hey how how did your church go, like like how's it going, and then they begin to ask me like things about like where it is, and what time it's at, and they begin to ask me like questions about uh, about life and spirituality, and, and there's this like relationship that's like because I, I came out here and I spoke their language, because I because I like string together a couple of good shots, probably not, uh, but like because I can speak their language, I'm out here playing, I'm out here connecting, I'm, uh, I'm finding who I am and I'm expressing that out in the community, I begin to build real relationship with people. I find my niche. What, what if instead of finding a community to hide behind, to find your identity within, you found your identity in Christ and then you could go and gather Gather people to yourself based on, based on who you are, based on your sense of humor, based on your giftings, based on what you, what, who God created you to be, and you gather people around that rather than hiding behind your community, you could lead it. You could guide people into their identity rather than relying on a group to give you yours. Next thing you need to do is you need to invite people into your life. Luke 19, Jesus goes into Jericho, and as he's passing through, a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and he was wealthy. 
He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. Now what's happening here is Jesus doesn't say, hey, come to my church. Though that's a fine thing to say. He doesn't say, hey, uh, come to my, uh, like, 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 like you, should, you should get better. He doesn't say, he doesn't make faith a prerequisite for relationship. It's not like, hey, come to church so you can hang out with me. It's like, hey, I'm going to come hang out with you and like, and like man, let's, let's go to church. It's like, it's like, he's like, hey, I am coming to your house today. Maybe don't do that. That's a little bit culturally uh, backed up. But hey, if you can play it, play it. Whatever, uh, like, hey, I'm coming to your house today. We're going to hang out. We're going to have a relationship. And through this relationship, Zacchaeus was changed forever. Zacchaeus, he was a tax collector. In the society, they would have known. A tax collector is somebody who he works for the Roman government, and he's a cheat. Like, the Romans need this amount of taxes, but really the way this guy was paid was just by cheating you out of however much taxes he could get you to pay. If he had to beat you, if he had to rob you, if he had to steal from you, he was going to take it as taxes. All right? So this guy was known as a cheat, and that's why they said afterwards, he's going to be the guest of a sinner. And Jesus didn't say, stop collecting taxes, and I'll come to your house. He doesn't say anything along those lines. He doesn't make faith or, or, or the way that he lives or anything a prerequisite for relationship. He says, I'm coming to your house. We're going to have lunch. And from that moment, Zacchaeus says, Jesus, I'm giving half of everything I own to the poor. Uh, if, if I've ever cheated anybody, I'm going to find him. I'm going to pay him back four times as much as I ever took from him. And it changed his life. And he says, from this encounter with Jesus, through real relationship, he said, I've got to change my life forever. And, and this is the kind of relationship, this is the kind of life change that happens when we invite people into our life rather than just like inviting people to be part of a club. Invite people into your life. Zacchaeus, I'm coming to hang out with you. I'm coming to hang out with you. Next thing you got to do is don't think you're, you're getting away easy. I'm not, I'm not here. I'm not saying like, just like go hang out with people and then like, that's your job as a Christian. We got to share the gospel. There's this good news that, 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 that a lot of us here have encountered and, uh, and I'm hoping if you're here today and you haven't encountered it that you, that you will encounter this good news uh, today and I'll give you an opportunity to, to figure out what that looks like for you. But there's this good news and I've been talking about it, that, 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 that Jesus made you, and he will make you, and he is making you uh, for a purpose. And, and, and there's, this, uh, there's this really good news that, that Jesus, like, paid for all your mistakes. And uh, they're like, there's this really good news, and we got to share it. 1 Corinthians 9 says, uh, Paul, again, he says this, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessing. Paul, what Paul's saying is he's saying, I go out of my way to relate to people. He says, I, he says when, 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 when people are, are, are like Jewish, I, I take my Jewish heritage and I, and I relate to them on the level that I can. If people are Roman, I, I take my Roman experience, I relate to them on the level that I can. If they're, if they're weak, I share with them in their weakness. If they're, if, they're, uh, if they're oppressed, I share with them in their oppression. And he's saying, I relate to people. If we have something in common, I connect over it, not just for the sake of connection, but for the sake that they might be saved. He says, I do it for the gospel. 
This means that in his relationships, he doesn't forego the truth. He doesn't forego the, the, the gospel. He, he doesn't avoid it. He doesn't, say, he doesn't say here, I preach to all that some might be saved. He says, I build relationship. I serve and I relate to all that some might be saved. He's sharing the gospel with those that he's in relationship with. He relates to people and he shares the gospel. And that's the last thing we got to do. We got, we got to hold on to those relationships. We live in a, in a cut them out culture. You got a toxic person in your life, you got to cut them out. You got somebody that's dragging you down from your level of joy, you got to cut them out. You got somebody that's like, that, that like doesn't pass the vibe check, you got to cut them out. You got to, like, we live in this, this culture that says you've got, your, you've got your toxic this and your toxic that, and you got to, if they, if they aren't, if they aren't like dragging you to the highest of heights, you got to cut them out. But if you want to be a fisher of men, if you want to be somebody who gathers people, if you want to go out to, uh, to Noah, like I talked about this morning, and, you, and, and you, want, you want to like relate to the people that have the same broken, messed up stuff that you've got, they're going to be toxic. They're going, they're, they're going to like have problems. Like relationship with them is going to have its ups and downs and its, and its, and its mistakes. And it's like, it's, it's, you're going to have to hold on to that relationship. You have to hold on to relationship because here's the thing what if just by holding on to a relationship not cutting it off when it gets hard not cutting them out when they no longer add to your social status or whatever what if just by holding on to that relationship a little while down the road they're like man you're the only person that's like that I've been friends with for more than like six to eight months or more than a year more than two years like why why are you around why do you, like, what's, what's the difference? You say, well, dude, I just believe that you're so, like, valuable. And, and here's the real thing is that I just believe that God loves you and that he's got, like, this crazy awesome purpose for you and, uh, like, like, a plan for your life. And I, 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 just, I just feel that, and so I want to be around you. I, I, I want to I be here so, that, so that, that God can maybe point me in a direction that, that might help you down that path. And I just, I just want to have a relationship with you. And, and let me tell you, like, what I just explained, that's called, uh, that's, that's called like, prophecy in, uh, in a sense. What I'm saying is, like, you don't have to, thus saith the Lord, to be a, a prophetic word into somebody's life. That God wants to use you and, and, and give you opportunities. So, like, let me tell you, I prophesy this exact word into people's lives all the time. And it's not that God is telling me, hey, say that I love them and that I have a purpose for them. It's just that I'm in relationship with them and God's saying, they need to know. I feel that tug on my heart that's like, now's the time. They need to know the truth. And because I'm in my Bible, I know the truth. I, I, like, I, like, I read my Bible a lot and I, and, I, and I get to know the truth of the gospel and the things that people know, need to know. And, and, and so like that exact prophetic word, maybe that's for you this morning. And let me tell you, that if, if that's for you this morning and you need to know that God loves you and that he has a purpose for you and a plan for you, it's for you. God is speaking that to you this morning because he says it in his Bible over and over again. He says it in his word, but did you know that like, there are moments in your life where you can, you can have a prophetic word into somebody's life just because God is telling you, they need to know. They need to know. And it's like, It breaks my heart 
just knowing that like how many people I encounter on a daily basis that I can speak the prophetic word of God into their life and that I just miss it. And, and so I, I want to I like build these relationships and, and these relationships are like, kind of like cheat codes. You know, like, because as you get to know somebody, you get more and more opportunities to speak into their life. You get more and more opportunities to, uh, to, like, to like be who Christ is to them and, and to share Christ's words with them. And, and so like as you begin to build relationships with people, and that's why like some people, you can, you can, you can speak to somebody you don't even know and, and, and they might get saved. And they might like, that might be like their moment. But here's the thing, like when you're in relationships with people, it's like a cheat code. It's like you've got so many opportunities to like speak into their life, to bring God to them. And all it takes is just being obedient in that moment that's like, they need to know. They need to know. So what if just by consistently pulling somebody up to the boat every single day, you cast that net consistently, you pull them into the boat and pull them into the boat and you pull them into the boat and you pull them into the boat and then one day they're like, I'm ready. I'm ready. Just by holding on to that relationship and keep on pulling them into the boat, they'll be ready. C.S. Lewis said this, he said, the church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, clergy, mission sermons, even the Bible itself, is simply a waste of time. God became man for no other purpose. It says God became man for no other purpose than for his people to go gather people and make them little Christs more like Christ, followers of Jesus. This whole institution, this, these lights, this building, this, uh, the, the, the group of churches we belong to, the, 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 the whole church throughout the nation, every single one of them exists for no other purpose but then to draw people to Christ. And if you're here this morning, you're like, well, I'm here, but I don't think that. Like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I have a relationship with Christ. Like, I just want to encourage you, like, every week people come in here looking for hope, looking for purpose, looking for life, and, like, just a deal, like, I've found it. Like, like, Jesus Christ wants to make you. He made you, he wants to make you, and, and he will continue to make you into the greatest possible version of yourself. The version of yourself that has more purpose than you could ever hope, that does things that you couldn't even imagine. God wants to, to, to bring you into relationship with him so that he can make you into who he's designed you to be. And so if you're here this morning, I just ask everybody, I want to make kind of a private moment. So if everybody can just like bow your heads, close your eyes, I wanna make a moment between you and God. And this is a time where you're, you're not just like checking out now. You're, you're saying, God, I want you to speak to my heart right now. And if you're here and you're saying, you know what, I want this relationship with the creator of the universe. This, this God that wants to make me into something of purpose and, and make me into something great. And this God that wants to have a relationship with me and, and make me more like him. I want that. If you're here and you want a relationship with God this morning, I want to encourage you, if you just raise your hand real fast, just as an act of, yeah, that's awesome. Just as an act of like stepping out, so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Man, just one more second. So cool. 
So for everybody in here that, that, that made that decision this morning, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask everybody to pray it along with me, but uh, it's not like a magic prayer. It's not like the words may magically make you a Christian. Here's what, here's what it is. It's some words that if you believe them and you live them, it's going to change your life forever. It's going to change your life forever. So we're going to pray this prayer really fast. It goes like this. Say, dear Jesus, I'm sorry. I've messed up. Would you help me to be more like you? Would you make me into who you've designed me to be? Jesus, I'm sorry. Would you help me to be more like you? Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. In Jesus' name, amen.